welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted Energy. I am one of your hosts, Nora Nopal, and I'm joined by my co-host, Pat Jones. Unscripted Energy is a podcast focused on the healing properties of energy work integrated in everyday things in everyday life. Unscripted because it's just that. Unscripted, unedited authenticity from two people working in the field of energy and spiritual wellness. So tune in, not just to us, but to yourself and experience unscripted energy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Unscripted Energy. I'm your host, Nora Nopal, joined with my co-host, as always, Pat Jones. How's Pat doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. How are you doing? I am doing really well, thanks. So, yeah, not bad for, you know, December in northern mm-hmm. Ohio. It's pretty, doing pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, the holidays are among us, and though we're not doing our holiday show today for this week, we are going to record a holiday show next week, um, and so uh, we're not going to give you any, um, we're going to keep it a surprise, we're not going to give you any insight as to what that might look like, um, but yeah, we are uh, going to do a holiday show next week, so I'm looking forward to that, we always um, come up with some pretty cool ideas, and we have pretty, some pretty awesome ideas this year about what we're going to, yeah. we're going to talk to you guys about. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be really good. Um, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is Unscripted Energy. And we talk about uh, the energy of words and how and how they matter. Um, we pick a word of the week and uh, talk about it from an energy perspective or just how it shows up in our lives and what it makes us feel like, think about, things like that. And each week we take turns picking that word of the week. And this week it's Pat's turn to pick the words. So while she's mixing her words up in her bowl, um, give you a little more context with that. She'll pick a word of the week and we'll get excited about it because we always do. And then we look up the definition. What's that? We always do. We, yeah, we always do. Um, and then we look up the definition, meditate on it, talk about it, and it's always a good time. So, I just saw the look on her face, like, oh. I, the look on my face is, I have to make sure we haven't done this before. And that happens when you get about, you know, what are I you, 77? I think I know why it, I think I know why it sounds familiar. And this is interesting that I picked this, very interesting that I picked this word. I can't wait. And the word is grief. Oh, because it seems like it comes up in a yes, lot of different words for thought, a variety of reasons. We've this word before, but we've talked many times, I think, over the last 77 episodes. 77 episodes, yeah. Um, we've talked about grief many times, I think. We and, have, uh, yeah. But I think it's just because it comes up in so many different ways you know yeah and this is um going to be 
not only do I know that this will be, you know, a good conversation, but, um, you know, especially this time of year, people have a real struggle, myself included, um, yeah. with, with That's grief. That's why I said this is interesting that I picked that, this word. That, that word came up, yeah, grief. It's been really important yeah. to me right now, so. Absolutely, so. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about today, folks, is the word grief and how it shows up for us in our lives and energetically and, you know, maybe even hearing that word, it it landed with you somewhere. You know, for me, I felt it in, in certain places. Um, Pat probably felt it energetically when she heard the word or she read the word even before she even verbalized it. Yeah. Felt it in a certain place. So um, let's take a look at that definition. On grief. I mean, yeah, I was just looking it up, and dictionary.com, as a noun, it says keen mental suffering or distress over affliction or loss, sharp sorrow, painful regret, a cause or occasion of keen distress or sorrow. Um, it's it can be used as a verb also, mm-hmm. grieved or grieving which, you know, that goes along with the same. So, yeah. Yeah. Psychology today goes, you know, into that a little bit, too. It talks about uh, grief is the acute pain that accompanies loss because it's the reflection of what we love. Mm -hmm. And it can uh, be, feel all-encompassing. So, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a, it's a good word. It just made me think about something else, but I don't want to jump ahead because sometimes we can get like that, right? With these words, we guess they hit us a certain way. They land on us in a certain space and we can get eager to have that conversation. Um, But without further ado, Pat's Pat's going to lead us in an opening meditation around this. Yeah, and um, this gives me a real opportunity to share how this word grief and the feeling of grief relates to traditional Chinese medicine mm. and Qigong. Yeah. Um, it relates to the lungs, to the metal element, um, the emotions associated with the lungs are grief, sadness, and depression. And the positive emotions of the lungs are courage, confidence, and inspiration. And so doing grief work and working with your grief in an energetic way can um, open up the, you know, letting go of that, the negative emotion of grief and then opening up courage and confidence and inspiration um so and that and the lungs and metal element it also relates to breath Mm. and if you um think about it for a second like how your breath changes when you're feeling down and sad and and grieving you might even have, your chest might even be 
sunken a little bit, or um, you know, you might feel a literal physical pain yeah. in your chest. Um, so, all that being said, let's just take a moment to drop into that, and we'll kind of focus on our breath, and we'll, um, if you're able to close your eyes where you are right now, you can do that. If not, you can keep your eyes open too, that's fine. Um, and let's just drop in for a moment, and let's bring, bring our breath down into the belly, if you can, and inhaling and exhaling through the nose and breathing into the abdomen where we inhale and the abdomen expands and exhale, the abdomen relaxes towards the spine. It's nice and slow breath into the belly. Inhaling and exhaling through the nose. Dropping that breath down into the abdomen and putting our attention there. Slow down the breath, slows down the mind. you'd like, you can put one hand on the chest and one hand on the belly. And this is called wave breathing. We kind of expand that breath into the belly and then into the chest, or I'm sorry, into the ribs and then into the chest. And then exhale, chest, ribs, belly. Belly, ribs, chest, chest, ribs, belly, calming, soothing, relaxing, wave breathing like a wave in the ocean. relax and notice you can also visualize bright white light in the lungs in the front, the sides and the back spending good chi to the lungs which can hold our sadness and depression and grief.
more nice deep breath. And gently open your eyes. Mm. Namaste. Mm. <clears throat> Namaste. That was lovely. Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome. I love doing wave breathing. Mm hmm Very calming. Very calming. Peaceful. And when you think about the way we talk about grief, like, it comes to us in waves, so it only mm -hmm. makes sense to mm -hmm. help comfort ourselves in that way. Yes. Oh, that's a great... I hadn't thought of that before. That's a great way to look at that it. That came to me when we were doing that breathing. It's like grief, yeah. grief comes to us in waves. Oh, it so does. And when we think about that wave metaphor, you know, the the grief coming in, but the, the wave also rolls back out to the horizon. Mm -hmm. So in that metaphor, you know, we can kind of, I imagine, and maybe I'll save this metaphor for what I do at the end, I don't know, but mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> imagine, you know, being at the at the beach, you know, as a kid, and you have one of those little sand sifter things, and, you know, you get a whole, the whole sifter full of sand, and it starts to slowly just fall through those those crevices and then the wave comes up and washes it and dilutes it more and thins it out and smooths it out mm -hmm. um, you know it change grief changes us in that way but we ultimately get to decide what we hold on to what we let stay what we let roll back to the horizon what we left let sift out um, in the filtering of those emotions yeah um, you know, we don't often feel like when that wave comes in that we have choice in it, right? The wave just comes in and hits us, and that's true. Yeah. But we have choice in between the time when it rolls in and it rolls back out. And we don't yeah. often recognize that, because sometimes that wave can just smack us and be really painful, knock us, knock the wind out of us, mm -hmm. ironically. Um, yeah. So, that was a good, that's good, that's a good... That is good really metaphor. good. Yeah. yeah. And it just makes me think about um, something that I learned through grief um, after a time of grief work is that as I, as I grieved my husband, um, I came to a and a realization that because I, I kept feeling like um, you know how that they say it you know like you lost your right arm like I yeah like this lost a part of me and I just that's how I felt for a long time and then at some point I started to change and I realized that well if part of me went with him then a part of him is with me mm. wow yeah and so that's kind of what you were saying about the waves coming in and the waves going out and um, that space between when you're sifting that sand and seeing how the grief changed it 
you know, yeah, yeah. You, you decided and that you get to keep a part of that with you. Yeah, and that sifting process, one of the things is that um, you don't know how long that sifting process is going to take. No. And it's different for everybody. I mean, that's one of the biggest things about grief is it's such an individual thing. Mm -hmm. And there's no timeline or um, instruction manual or rule book. It's just, it takes as long as it takes. It takes as long as it takes, and sometimes, you know, in that sifting process, um, you know, even it, like, they say that time heals, and it does. <clears throat> I believe that. Um, but, you know, and, and a lot of people deal with, with this. Um, I know I, I do. That sometimes it feels like it doesn't have to be those big anniversaries, like 10 year, 25 year, 35 year, whatever. Um, you know, it can, it can come to you in, in, in the strangest of ways, sometimes in the strangest of times, no matter the time that has passed, and you just go, why is this affecting me all of a sudden like this today? And I think it's because sometimes in that, when that wave rolls in, you know, much like the, the and I, you know, not, don't want to get on a tangent about pollution and stuff, but and keep it with me in this metaphor. Sometimes the wave brings in stuff that is with the grief that has n yeah. no bearing on the, you know, no place to be with the grief. But it comes in with the grief and it causes us confusion and, um, you know, it can compound those feelings and that sifting process. And And if we've had... You know, whether the relationship was a good relationship or it was a difficult relationship and um, that sifting process is going to look different every time especially if you're somebody like me who the wave comes in and other stuff is attached to it and you go well, what about this and what about that and what if I and it seems to trickle over and so that sometimes it feels like when I'm sifting sometimes my stuff don't fit through the holes of my sifter <laughs> And I'm forced to sit and look at it, um, and that can be that can be another layer of hardship. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, we could then we have to decide to throw it away or, you know, shine it up and put it on a shelf and look at it, which I don't recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but we do that. Sometimes we mm -hmm. do that when grief rolls in with other stuff. We'll go. I need to sit with this for some reason for a long time and I need to feel this and and you do you know you do yeah. have to feel to heal I mean, right I, that's another that's another key uh, aspect to it mm -hmm. is that you have to feel it you have to feel what you feel um, because I I always uh, use the analogy of um, holding a beach ball under the water mm. Mm -hmm. you can you can stuff it down you can be busy and and try not to think about it but eventually that beach ball is going to come popping up mm -hmm. and um you know there again 
it's an individual choice of, okay, am I going to sit in this, feel it, and work with it, or am I going to wait and deal with it later? But I would say most grief needs to be dealt with at some point. It's, it's courageous to sit with it and to go through the through it the wave to ride the wave so to speak yeah. it's courageous yeah. it's not a it's, some people look at it I don't want to name any particular gender but some people look at it and have like think it's a sign of weakness if they ride that wave and acknowledge the grief and um, but it's not. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of courage because it takes a lot of courage to sit and look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not easy. It's no, absolutely Unpleasant not. at best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's important. Very important. What do you think has been your biggest learning curve with dealing with, with grief? Like, you know, within grief, right, there's waves of, like, anguish, and grief looks like other things, you know, anguish and despair and places in between, right, that that wave has different layers to it. What's been your biggest learning curve in getting through those layers of that grief wave? It's a hard question. It is. I'm not sure... Um, not sure exactly what to say about that. And maybe that's because every moment, like, in and of itself is, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's, like, if there is learning in it. It's, like, when you... Oh, there is. There's, there's for me. Oh, Yeah. I learned so much through my grief. Because I wonder if sometimes, like, it's just one of those, um, I don't know, one of those four instances where it doesn't feel like what the lessons are, could could be as profound, but maybe, maybe they are. Um, maybe the strength and the courage in and of itself is a lesson in the... Oh, yeah, and, and I think that's, and, you know, I'll speak for myself here. <laughs> um, the the strength that you didn't know you had. Sure. Um, the um, being faced with your own mortality. Oh, okay, knowing sure. that every day is precious and fragile and um, you can be here one moment and the next moment you're gone that that is a lesson <laughs> in and of itself yeah that is you know i maybe it's more wisdom mm. than knowledge okay um, maybe that's where my hang-up was yeah yeah I could it's that. more I, for me it's more um you know gaining this this wisdom and for the kids too I mean I think we just you end up looking at life so differently 
um, you know, you have your before and after. And after that experience, you end up looking at life so differently. And it changes you forever. I Absolutely. I like yeah. that. I like the idea of wisdom. You know, what wisdom did you gain rather than yeah. what lesson did you learn? Um, I like yeah. that it better because you, you, at least in my, and I'll only speak from my experience. I don't want to say you per se, but you, the yeah. general listening audience. Yeah. For me, I had to, my, probably one of my most profound, it's not that losing my parents wasn't, but my most profound loss to date was probably my grandmother. Um, and it's 35 years this year. Um, mm-hmm. This month, rather, as, as it would be. Um, I had to make a conscious effort. I had to choose every day, like, to choose to get out of bed and to choose to be grateful for... Yeah the time I did have with her. She was only 56 when she passed. And now that I'm five years from approaching that day, you know, my head just kind of goes, oh, Jesus. You know, it's it's hard for me to not even briefly go there and go, I wonder how many more years I have left. Because certainly at 51, I'm not under any illusion that I have more years ahead of me than I have behind me. Um, You know, so, but I had to make a conscious effort to even get out of bed because it just felt like it paralyzed me. Mm-hmm. And so when you yeah. talked about the lungs and that being like from Chinese medicine where that was, I literally felt like the air had been sucked out of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really no other way to describe it. And um, even making that conscious effort of, I knew enough at at that age that I was that I had to make myself get up and get out of bed even to try to feel somewhat better to even go to the funeral um, because I had to honor her like I had a responsibility in those days I I had to honor her but then um, you know like I said it's coming up on 35 years here um, and lose then losing my dad kind of suddenly and then losing my mom pretty suddenly um, I think my grandma's death in some way kind of prepared me for that because by the time my parents passed away I had children so I had to force myself to get out of bed because mm-hmm. they were grieving too yeah. um, so it was, you know, that wisdom of, you know, she'd expect me to mm-hmm. honor her, but I mean, and, and behave in a certain way and, um, you know, to, to try to go on. She'd want, had want, would wanted me to go on, you know, um, none of us knew that she was going to pass that day. None of us were prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. You just never know. I I heard somebody say once that um, one of the best things you can do when you're grieving someone is to um, 
is to honor them and to honor them in uh, a way like doing things that that they would do Mm -hmm. or um, you know you know depending on their personality or what what kind of a person they were and then and then you can create that type of thing in your life that yeah. honors them. I'm not saying it well. But, no, um, I know what you mean. Like being able to yeah. continue to honor them in ways mm-hmm. that keep their memory alive because yeah. um, it's said in, I don't know if it's a native um, a native kind of saying or where it actually originated from but it said that um, humans actually actually die twice when their physical body ceases to continue to work and when their name is uttered for the last time and so you think about you know at some point my kids didn't my kids didn't know my grandmother because I she was 16 when I died but her memory has been kept alive by pictures and the stories I've been able to tell. And I have her a, a spoon that she always uh, mm-hmm. made her tuna mm-hmm. salad with. And that we use that during, you know, I, I still have it. And even though my kids didn't know her, one of my kids has requested that when I die, they want the spoon. And one wants my dad's spatula that I still have. Mm-hmm. So these things get kept alive. And hopefully my grandkids will you know, have those same kind of things because, um, like my oldest grandchildren or grandchild, she, they know, um, my mom, they didn't know my dad. Um, and so as time goes on, there will, there are going to be grandkids of mine that won't necessarily tell my grandmother's story the same way that my kids Mm -hmm. would tell it even though my kids didn't know her and so that's a secondary kind of spiritual loss that like her spirit will experience because she's not going to be at some point whether it's with my grandkids great grandkids what have you at some point somebody's not going to utter her name again but you know in my head I, I, I tend to think that her name in some ways will always be uttered or they're the the departed I mean, people walk through cemeteries and they a name might resonate with them and they don't know why and they might read it. So I don't know how much I actually buy into that, but I've heard it said that that's... Yeah, I've never heard that. The other thing too, Pat, that comes to mind is that often when we think about grief, the immediate and obvious part of grief is that the loss that we feel of the human that's that's no longer with us physically um but often it's possible to grieve things that aren't of of the physical or um i'm not saying it right now like for example um my husband and i rented a house for a long time and we wanted to buy that house and some things happened with our landlord's life that didn't make that possible um, I, I 
mourn that house sometimes, even uh, still. Well, we had our, we were on the same wavelength. Oh. Is that exactly what I was thinking that we should talk about? I even had written down other griefs. Secondary losses, um, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think this is so important to talk about because um, we all suffer loss throughout our lives. Things like that, moving, um, losing a job, uh, marriage breaking up, um, you know, all big and small, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and I've noticed throughout the last almost 20 years that those, those losses, they kind of stack Mm -hmm. on each other. And, and and when things come up, you know, where you're feeling a little loss about something, the big loss tends to come back and resurface again. Mm-hmm. That's how it's been for me, at least, especially at first. Yeah. You know, you might, you, if you don't feel well or you're sick or something, then you're, you're just, you're kind of back down again mm. and you have to bring yourself back up so um, and also in our world um, especially in our society we don't really deal with death and dying grief and loss very well no, don't. We, tend to, we tend to just not talk about it sweep it under the rug right like you were saying before, don't don't show emotion. Don't we, cry. We roll through the punches of you know planning yeah. the funeral and doing the things, and after the luncheon yeah. and everybody goes home, it's like everything's back to normal. And and be tough. You know, I gotta be strong. I for whatever reason, you know. Um, so I think bottom line here is that we have to work with it. We have to do the work. We have to do grief work, mm-hmm. which ultimately can be energy work. Absolutely is, but within the, in the model of everything is energy, it absolutely is energy work. Um, working to, um, even like that energy work can be as, um, ambiguous, if you will, as how do I live now with just this income, right? Because maybe that secondary loss was, I don't have this other person's income now. They're either, you know, whether it's divorce or death, what have you. Yeah. Or um, I know with me, for a period of time, I lost my identity, not like by identity theft, although we know that happens. I lost my identity in the fact that for a long time I was somebody's daughter and that came with expectations and then I was in this space of trying to be somebody's mother while simultaneously being somebody's daughter and somebody's wife and all those things came with different expectations from those individuals and when I didn't live up to that there was this loss of Am I a good daughter? Am I a good mother? Am I a good wife? And so I really identified with 
trying to please those people and it pulled me further away from understanding myself um, and knowing what I could and couldn't give. Um, and then potentially by proxy, those people are facing losses because I can't live up to the expectations of the daughter that they wanted me to be. And I can't live up to the expectations of the wife, you know, that that person wanted me to be. Um, and I can't, you know, maybe I'm missing the mark with the, the mom that this child thinks that they need. Um, so, you know, grief, not only does it compound, but it continues to trickle. Yeah. in some ways you know um, I, I know that it, and this is no fault to um, anyone but myself and the decisions I made but at some point I lost hope um, for the dreams I had for my future you know I got pregnant um, in college and then my first husband was, you know, I married my my kids' dad, um, and that became my identity of being a wife and being a mom and no yeah. longer being a, a writer um, and moving away. And so there was a period of time where I had to deal with that kind yeah. of loss, but yeah. I, it came back. And it actually, um, as one of my hypnosis colleagues pointed out to me earlier this year, how blessed are you to have had two dream jobs in a lifetime? And I thought, wow, I never looked at my the loss of my writing job that I had previous to writing, you know, self-publishing. That I did, I got to actually live that dream yeah. of, of writing. You know, yeah. I have got to live that dream eventually. Never I really looked are. at it, and I still am. But I didn't really look at it that way because it was just a job. I'm just trying to get along. I'm just trying to make money. I'm just trying to, you know, I never looked at it that way. But, um, and I think that's because loss, um, you know, it, it's kind of that wet blanket. I know we've talked about that in, in other podcasts that grief can feel a bit like a wet blanket. And um, I think... It wasn't until my colleague like pulled the blanket off me that I could go, oh wow, you're right. I was just so focused on how, you know, I was no longer working at the, the publisher that I worked at previous to becoming self-employed. I was just so focused on not being in that job and that atmosphere and losing those relationships. You know, that was another loss that took some getting used to. I quit to start and started my own company, but what I didn't prepare myself for was I don't, I don't have people to go to lunch with now. I don't have that camaraderie in the kitchen making my coffee. I don't, you know, I didn't prepare myself for those losses and those losses of relationships. And it still takes some time because my husband still works for the company. It's still like kind of is a little knife in the heart when he talks about his relationships with those people and it's a little bit like, oh, they used to yeah. love me too. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a missing, there's a missing yeah. there. I think missing is one of the hardest things about it. It is. Because what do you do with it? I'm still trying to figure that out. Do you know you what you do? I know. <laughs> you just 
No, I don't. I was going to say, do you have any wisdom for that, please? Because I'm still trying to figure that <laughs> well, out. <laughs> I mean, I, not really, unfortunately, because it's just, it just is. Yeah. It's one of those things. Um, you know, my mom's still here, but I miss her because she's not really here. Yeah. You know, and that, um, and I think around the holidays, you know, so many people have a hard time with the holidays. And is it because we miss things? We miss people? We miss things the way they used to be? Mm. We miss our life yeah. the way it used to be? We miss the people in our lives that used to be here? Um, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I hear people yeah. when I talk to people who have loved ones who are in active addiction, they talk about like the same things that you're talking about. I miss the person that he or she was. I miss. Yeah, they're here, but they're not, they're, they're not really here or they're not the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, you don't know this per. who is this person? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean all those kind of things, especially around this time of year, is, it, it's very difficult for people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think part of it is because um, from a, from a uh, energy, mind energy perspective, from the moment we're coming to this world, we develop expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, as an infant, there's this cue in our psyche that says, I expect another human to feed me and take care of my basic needs. Um, and then, you know, throughout our processing, our brains then um, helped us to create these rules to organize our lives and so forth. And when grief happens, at least in my experience, um, it, it seems like, and, and I think this is true, um, but like our mind is set up in keeping this, helping us to organize like the the loss and the memories and the and all the things that go with that the um, you know and the meaning behind it and the significance of what you know maybe how we idolize this person or how our expectation was and and if that's cut short. Um, or, you know, we lose them suddenly, especially, then this, the schema, the makeup, the energy in our heads, um, they, they, they don't have any real way to, like, really process that, right? Because we don't have a comp an organizational compartment to help us, you know, grief doesn't fit into any of the, any of those slots to help us compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that because of that, um, at least again, in, in my experience, um, it just seems like it's, it grief's not fine and it is never finite because it's always trying to fit. Oh yeah, I'll just go here and I'll hang out here. And it feels like that in our minds, right? That grief just gets put away. You put it on a shelf, you stick it in a little jar, we tighten the lid down and it just sits there. And then somehow it the jar spills over, the lid comes off, and we go, where the hell did that come from? And, but I think it's because grief isn't, grief's not, 
finite. It's not, it doesn't have a spot to just go and sit in a jar and, and wait for us to deal with it. It just continues to pop back in um, and remind us of, oh, here's a situation where they would have been here or um, this, you know, what would they, what would they have thought if they were here experiencing this with me or um, like I'll give you an example when when my when my dad had passed he um, I had he had four four grandchildren by that time four granddaughters um, and um, loved on all of them that you know um, in, in the way you know that they they were in his life and each of them experienced, you know, his loss in a very different way. When my dad passed, a family friend came to me and said how embarrassed my dad was that I had a child out of wedlock and that he was always felt such shame. And I thought to myself, well, for starters, why on earth would you come and tell a grieving child yeah. that? I mean, I was adult, but I was his child. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was another kind of state of loss, like I disappointed him. So even though I was like working through it and grief was over here so I could get through the final, the planning and the things, right? That be, Being told that, whether it was true or not, brought up this other thing. So grief comes out and lashes out at this person. Um, That's another podcast of the things that people say at funerals. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't helpful. We won't even, I'm not even going to go there. It was not helpful, one, one iota. No. But that I say that because it, it's not finite. So guess what happens, you know, down the road then, my that child, my daughter, you know, she ends up having an unplanned pregnancy. And I immediately go into shock of, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel right now. Am I supposed to be ashamed? Am I supposed to be loving? I don't know what I'm supposed to do because my dad's because that that ribbon of that ribbon of fear and shame or whatever came in and I wasn't ashamed of her I wanted to just love and and support her um, but grief kept coming back in about I wonder what he would think about this what would he say well he would just love her like he loved like he loved my oldest um, and but that comes back around and there's no finite like end point of grief when I graduated from college you know my mom and her boyfriend who was my dad's one of my dad's closest friends were in the audience and that was a big deal for me you know but I felt him there and I wondered like what he would think of the fact that I'm getting a college de degree and yeah you yeah. know but we do that right like they show up grief shows up in those places where they're not anymore so I thought of a couple things. Yeah. That um, actually there is there are ways to get past this. Okay. Okay. That I'm still learning about, and I've just discovered this recently. This is from the work by Byron Katie. Okay. Yeah. And she talks about loving reality. She says, I'm in love with reality. And so 
that's how you get to the point where yeah you can, you can live with it you know and the other thing is um embracing impermanence because mm. we know yeah that in this world nothing's and, and we aren't in control and so there's principles that we can learn and lean on it's just really really hard it's it's really hard to love a reality that is just traumatic and terrible and and acknowledge that in the moment, it's it's hard to say, oh, I I'm in love with this no matter what. Mm. Um, yeah, because because you're not. That's not the reality, right? right? And it's it's again, it's 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 the work. It's doing the work to to get through get through this. Get through the grief. You have to yeah. go through it. I you think you can't go around it. It's like a bear hunt. You can't go around it. it. <laughs> can't go through it. You can't, can't go, go under it. it. You have to go through it. And yeah. another, another good um, coping mechanism, in a way, is is turning to gratitude. Mm. Gratitude for what you have, what is here, who is here where you are in your life and um, focusing on that, that is helpful. I think too, like in what you're, what you're saying there too, is that the other thing that I used to find myself doing that I will tell people it's, it's actually harmful to, to do what I did. And so I would encourage you, if you're grieving, not to do what I'm about to say. Um, but I would also encourage you to be mindful about, like Pat said, the things people say at funerals. Um, or the, the, the good that we think that we're doing, um, you know, when, you know, we're trying to give sage advice, right? Like Pat just said, like, like leaning on gratitude. It's, it, in that it's great, right? Um for me, I, I, for a long time, just pretended like the loss didn't affect me because I was comparing my grief isn't as, shouldn't be as much. She was just my grandmother. I didn't lose my mom or my wife, right? And so I kept comparing it thinking, well, you know, it could be a lot worse. I didn't just lose my mom until I did lose my mom. And then I thought, my God, this is the worst it could be. And then I thought, no, it would be worse if I lost one of my kids, right? You can't do that to yourself. And no. <laughs> comparing is, comparing is, there's no place for it in this. It's a secondary, it's another secondary layer of grief when you start comparing your loss yeah. to other people's losses. Or saying that, you know... Oh well, I guess it could be worse. I didn't, you know, X Y Z. You know, I'm, st I'm, st you know, especially when like 
I, I hear people say that like when something like devastating like might happen to a human being it's devastating when you experience something and you feel that that's devastating when someone else comes up and says well I think it could be worse you know that it could be yeah. worse they're not yeah. here <laughs> it's, it's really better to not say anything absolutely than, than saying something like that yeah um, what could yeah. be worse than losing the person that you feel like your life's devastated so don't don't say that to people because it's not helpful um but i found myself comparing and it put me into just a spiral of, of not acknowledging my feelings um but like i like what you said there about leaning on the gratitude because eventually how gratitude shifted for me instead of saying well geez they're right it could be worse i should just be grateful that you know the time that i had with her in the moment that wasn't helpful but later right i think we we have to come to these realizations on our own it's yes. it's not helpful when someone says that to you no it's not. even though even though it might be true mm -hmm. it is not helpful no and um and talk about comparing in my experiences one of the hardest things with, that people would say when they would start comparing their loss to my loss. Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was running rampant. Really? The first the, oh, you think yeah. you've got it bad? We'll hear this story. Yeah, well, I want you to listen to my story of loss. And in their mind, they're thinking that's going to make me feel better. Mm hmm. Well, no, I'm folks. I'm still hurting. It, it doesn't. You know, um, yeah. yeah, it was, it was really incredible. And, um, yeah, there were a few instances that come to my mind. I mean, this is, it's going to be 20 years next year. And, um, some of these experiences that happened to me after Todd died, it, they're burned in my memory. I because it's like. I can't believe some of the stuff people said to Do you me. think and the motivation was to just take your mind off of your grief, or was it... I really, I really, part of it is they, they think they're being helpful, mm. but, but here again, the other part of it is people really want to talk about their loss. Yeah. And maybe in that moment, that's how they felt the courage to talk about it. Well, Pat will understand, so I'm going to tell her this big, long story um, about what happened to me. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But it was, it was really, really difficult for me. I can it, imagine. It, it was some tough, tough moments. And sometimes, too, in that, and, and this is a common theme as well, I'm, I'm sure this probably came up for you as well as it's also maybe a little bit comparing as gory like is not to glorify anybody's losses but like comparing in a way of oh I'm in the grief club too right mm, yeah. like to have yeah. a second like a secondary sense of belong now we all belong to this club 
because well, we've all experienced this thing. Yeah. I used to say, I'm in a club I never wanted to join. Yeah. You know, the widows, the widows came from everywhere talking to me. Ma'am. Which, which some was, some were, were good to talk to. I was going to say, were, was some um, of that beneficial? Yeah. Yeah. Some of that was good. Um, but then you get into, well, um, mine was a sudden loss. Mine, you know, my husband lingered for two years and, and all the different stories. And right. They show the details. Yeah. Honest, honestly, it's just exhausting. I can imagine it's, it would be. It is exhausting. And so, um, there again, coming back to, it's an individual process that um, everybody has to, to you know we're all going to go through it we, and, and you go through it in your own way and things are going to affect you differently than they did me and, and that's just life yeah and that's important to know that when you're going through it acknowledge it you know be with where you're at reach out and ask for help and know that you're not alone in it when you feel that it's appropriate for you to ask for help right sometimes yeah. it's going to be forced upon you and you might not yeah. want it yeah. um, but being able to sit, sift through going back to our little analogy yeah. there I like it yeah sift through it and know and understand what you truly need in that moment yeah. um, that that's where the healing the healing can begin so when we thank you pat thank you for share always being so generous and courageous and sharing your story with oh, people because it is healing and it does you. help it does help so when we come back um you know if you've been listening long enough you know i'm going to do the great stall because i can't i don't know that i can do this topic quite the justice that pat does only in the fact that she's been talking about this you know with people for um, almost two decades so as she said um, and helping a tremendous amount of people um, when it comes to grief work so when we come back I'm going to round out with um, probably a hypnotic activity I think it's called for it so stay tuned do you have a word you want Pat and I to consider for a future episode you can leave it on our Facebook page at Unscripted Energy or email us at unscriptedenergy at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Unscripted Energy. So we are talking about our word of the week, which is routine. And so if you've been listening along, you've heard... Pat and I talking about one of the keys to, I don't know, working through routine, would you say, Pat, or living with or without a routine? Yeah, yeah. Would be balance. And oh, yeah. the importance of balance to a routine. Or yeah. how sometimes when we're outside of our routine, it can throw us out of balance or we feel like we're out of balance. Yeah, I mean, you can get there. Yeah, for sure. for sure. So, I thought what we would do 
is this is a hypnotic routine. So uh, right before this, you heard a hypnotic disclaimer. So I will repeat just briefly what the hypnotic disclaimer stated, and that is um, if you do not wish to be hypnotized, then you can forward on to the uh, to the end of this um, this podcast. But from this point on, we are going to be doing a hypnotic activity. Um, please refrain from listening to this while you're driving, operating heavy machinery, or while under the influence, as it may induce drowsiness and cause potential for issues. So, if you are ready to be hypnotized and can safely do so, um, as we go forward here, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if it's safe for you to do so. If not, um, you can. You could always choose to just listen to this, not while you're driving, um, and certainly keep your eyes open and just listen with curiosity and an open mind. Um, however, the way that this is set up, um, there's a chance that even if you did that and you gazed across the room with your eyes open, that you might fall into hypnotic trance, so just be aware of that. So just as you begin to close your eyes and just tune into your breath, and as you breathe and you relax in this space, and just tune into your breath, begin to notice that every breath out starts to relax you a little bit more than the breath in. The breath in bringing nice, crisp, clean air into your body to revitalize those cells. And that breath out, slowly exhaling, relaxing you bringing you comfort. And if you're sitting in a chair, just ensure that both feet are flat on the floor. Your back comfortable and relaxed, supported in your chair. If you're lying down, just feel that connection between where you lie, your back against the surface. And just take a nice gentle breath into your body and hold that breath for just a few seconds and then exhale slowly and begin to just allow yourself mind body and spirit to begin to relax and as you breathe and relax you're becoming aware of the surface beneath you you're feeling your feet becoming more relaxed. They might even feel heavy, tethered to the floor or the bed, the space where you are, just comfortable, relaxed, and letting go. Just breathing and relaxing and letting go. Allowing your hands to just rest gently. They too may begin to feel a little heavy as they begin to relax and let go. And then take another long breath with your next breath in, breathing in deeply, holding it for the count of three. 
and then breathing out and allowing that breath out to just bring you such calm and relaxation, releasing and letting go of any tension or stress out and away. As that relaxation begins to flow down your body from the top of your head to the tips of your toes, the tips of your toes, the top of your head, every nerve, every cell, every fiber, every consciousness, awareness in, around, and through, relaxing very nicely now, just letting go, letting it all go, letting it all go, taking another big deep breath in, hold it for the count of three, and as you exhale, just let go even more now. Noticing how relaxed and comfortable your whole self has become. But just letting go and breathing and letting go. Breathing in, rejuvenating those cells, exhaling. Letting go even deeper, now feeling that warmth and comfort spreading all over your body as your eyes begin to relax and soften. Muscles around your eyes relax without any effort at all. Your jaw relaxes. Your forehead soothes and smooths. As you just allow that relaxation to go all the way down, deeper down. Your jaw relaxing. Allowing your mind to just be or drift without trying, just allow it to do what it does. And any sounds you might hear out and around wherever you are, unless it's urgent for you to respond to, your mind will just allow you to relax and be. Any sounds you might hear will just serve to relax you too. And very soon you're going to go deeper into this perfect state of relaxation, letting go of any distractions, any noise, any sound, my voice will go where you go, taking you deeper into yourself, just allowing yourself to let go. Any and all sounds, including my voice, will just serve to relax you as you just let go. Drifting and floating deeper down, all the way down. Feeling just completely centered, comfortable, peaceful. Drifting down, deeper down into this lovely, comfortable feeling. And as you do, you really just begin to enjoy this sense of peace and calm. It's a wonderful feeling to just be so relaxed. Allowing the tensions to just melt away. Your shoulders, arms, hands, and fingers and thumbs. Every system working optimally as it should. As you just allow yourself to relax. Nobody needs anything. Nobody wants anything. Just allowing yourself to relax.
In a moment, I'm going to count from five to one, and with every number you hear, you're going to relax just a little bit deeper now, just a little bit deeper now with every number you hear. With every number you hear, you're going to relax just a little bit deeper. Now, when we arrive together at one, you'll take a big deep breath into your whole self, and when you exhale out, you'll be as relaxed as you need to be to allow these suggestions to work for you and through you and to you with five and four, relaxing even more. Deeper with three and two. And with one, you take that big deep breath into your whole self. And as you exhale out, you just allow yourself to go deeper still. And just allow yourself to be at peace here in this space. And as you continue to just breathe and relax and listen to these words, we've been talking about this idea of routine and balance and how important it is for balance in everyday living, whether we have a routine, whether we live just fairly spontaneously or somewhere in between. As humans, we can sometimes get caught in moments where we find it difficult to balance our everyday living activities in our lives. Everything that we have going on where it's a busy, busy world and we're busy people. And so in this setting, in this moment, we're going to do something about that and you've decided that by listening to this recording you are going to do something about that which is why you're still listening to me right now so just allow yourself to go as deep as you need your mind can wander where it will and it may and there may be times where you feel like you're not listening to me at all but your subconscious mind hears and understands everything that's said. And the wonderful subconscious mind's been looking after you since the beginning of time and will continue to do so. Many people just get so busy, so engrossed in their lives. We are busy, busy people. It's a busy, busy world. But in that busyness, we can tend to neglect parts of our lives, maybe important relationships or little thinking at the of the time of future consequences by just letting things go, including the relationship with ourselves. Some people can be just so busy in life and living that they find that they fall out of routine in certain other areas or not able to give Maybe they're best at their job, and as a result, can perhaps suffer as an employee. It's about finding the right balance. Right? There's sometimes we give so much to one area that we can fall out of balance in other areas. Maybe you're so busy living vicariously and 
and not really living for yourself. Or maybe you're somebody who is so spontaneous that sometimes things just feel chaotic. Or maybe you're so forged to your routine that when other forces outside of your locus of control interrupt that routine, it can feel catastrophic. Finding the right balance in your life is simple. Most of us know how much time we should be spending on different things that we do throughout our day. We all know that there's only 24 hours in that day and there's only so much we can do with those 24 hours. The problem of balance usually arises when someone spends more than they should in one area and unwittingly neglects other areas that require attention. When we're neglecting other areas that require attention, it can throw us off balance. And so I'd like you to use your wonderful creative subconscious mind now to visualize the scene that I described. In a moment as I describe these scenes, I want you to just visualize any sounds, any aromas, the sights that you see, the things you might taste, the textures, accompanying this impression within your mind. Make it as real as possible. I'd like you to imagine that you are baking a very special cake. You are in this old country cottage type kitchen. There's a large oak harvest table. All the ingredients that you ever need right there. Perhaps there's a window that looks out into this beautiful garden. And you see the bushes, the green. all the different colors of flowers. You can smell whatever you choose to smell or you can imagine maybe jasmine or honeysuckle or maybe you just notice the crisp air just filtering through You're noticing a willow tree with its branches dangling. You hear the sounds of birds nearby. You see them flying off to the bird bath to satisfy their thirst. And you bring your attention and your awareness back into the kitchen, into the cottage. Where you see before you this large mixing bowl on the table and you're ready to begin making your very special cake. And there's a pair of those old scales there with two different sides there. The type that 
weights that measure your ingredients. So you begin to prepare to make your cake. You already have the recipe stored in your mind. So taking each ingredient at a time, you measure how much you need on the scales. You already know that too much of one ingredient or not enough of another could spoil the cake completely. So you're very careful to ensure that you have weighed them correctly. The appropriate amount of each ingredient And you add each ingredient to the bowl and you begin to mix them. And when your mixture is ready to be added into your cake pan, you take a spatula and you portion out each one evenly before placing them into your preheated oven. And while you're waiting for this cake to bake, you have time to reflect on how your life maybe used to lack balance. Or maybe there's areas where it still lacks balance. Maybe you have too much of one ingredient somewhere. Nowhere near enough in another area. And in doing so, that didn't make the perfect recipe for success or for life. And you're even more determined to do something about this now because you really want the end result to be right. And the kitchen is now beginning to fill with this delicious aroma of baking cakes the sweet sort of smell that makes you impatient. You want to open the oven to see how things are progressing, but you know that the timing is not quite right yet, so you wait just a little bit longer. Patience. Imagine that a sufficient amount of time has passed and your cake is ready now. And having been carefully removed from the oven has been carefully decorated and your little cottage now is full of the people that are most important to you and of course they all want a slice of your cake and it's a very large cake there's plenty to go around but you realize that certain people may actually want a lesser slice or a larger slice. So you set to work and divide your cake in the most appropriate way. You enjoy sharing your cake just as you do your life and you spend quality time with the people that are important to you productive time at work and in all the things that matter. You spend time on yourself doing whatever you enjoy doing. Just imagine yourself now writing down your own 
recipe for successfully balancing your life. You can do this either by breaking up your day into hours or dividing your weeks and your months or just simply writing out a list of ingredients and how much you need of each thing. And as you do, you know that some activities will take a precedence of time and there's going to be other activities that maybe aren't so urgent. So you can divide things out on your perfect recipe. So you just go inside and allow your wonderful subconscious mind to provide you with its own inner wisdom and do this now while I'm quiet for just a moment or two. Good. That's good. Very good. You now know how to balance your life and you also realize that in order to maintain this balance, you need to be flexible at times. If one task takes priority and needs more time spending on it, then you compensate as soon as the right opportunities arise. It's a little bit like weighing those ingredients on the scale and making your perfect cake. And as a result of this balance that you're finding in your life, you're going to become even more happier, much more calmer, because now you have as much harmonious energy with yourself, with the people around you, and this makes you feel very good. Makes you feel very good. Everything is balanced as it should in its own time. And in a moment, I'm going to begin to count from one to five. And when you're ready, You'll gently come back with each number, back into awareness, back into the space where you are. And then when I reach five, you're going to be refreshed. Returning back to whatever normal is for you, feeling rested and relaxed. And also having energy at the same time. You'll have a new sense of appreciation for the skills you've just learned on how to bake your perfect cake and the recipe for your ideal life and you'll do so with a great sense of calm and peace and wellness with one and two coming up a bit more bringing back with you all that you need to know all that you've learned three four coming up a bit more your recipe in your mind and five bringing back with you all that you need to know that perfect recipe for you for your life, balanced, harmonious, calm, relaxation, energized, renewed. That feels good and you feel good. You're able to take this sense of well-being and peace and calm with you as you go forward. Welcome back.
Now, I can't take full credit for that because that is a script that I got um, when I started doing hypnosis training. I don't know who wrote it, but I do like it. And yes, it is coincidental that my co-host likes to bake. And <laughs> when I started doing it, I thought, oh, she's really going to like this one. I love it so much. <laughs> that was easy for me to visualize. <laughs> I figured it might be. So what kind of yeah. things did you notice, Pat, when you were under hypnosis? That was great. Well, I noticed that um, I felt a lot, like, through my shoulders, like, mm. everything. I mean, I felt like I really sunk down, and my shoulders, like, really relaxed down. So that was really great. Mm. And um, I think... We all have a, a, you know, we we tend to kind of carry, you know, we carry a lot of weight on our shoulders. Sure. You know, whatever it might be. Right. And so that was really uh, a great thing for me to just have that all just kind of, I mean, the thing I noticed the most about hypnosis and working with you is how relaxing it is mm. number one and number two how different it is from meditation oh yeah thank you for saying so because some people yeah. think it does sound quite the same it, it sounds the same but it feels very different to me what's the um, difference that you notice can you pinpoint it well I think I tend to um, zone in better with hypnosis. Mm -hmm. I have a harder time in meditation with distractions and yeah. And so that's the thing that I noticed for myself. Um and it's more relaxing to me than I don't know. I I I'm not a great meditator. I don't, you know. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say that. I realize that, but No, it's okay. Um, it's not um, for just, everybody. Yeah. Um, I'm more relaxed with with these. And it is like a guided meditation, but it feels different. Mm -hmm. Because you get that, you know, you get that chance to visualize things. And it's it's so cool. Your brain um, quite literally operates in a very, in a different way when you're under hypnosis versus mm -hmm. just doing a meditation. Yeah, yep. yeah, love it. I love it, and I particularly love that one because of the baking, and it it makes so much sense. Yeah, you know when you were saying about you know the measuring and the balancing mm -hmm. and the scales. I mean, there you go. That's yeah, exactly what we were talking about. And and then the other thing is portioning out the cake, portioning out your time. Yeah, I mean that's. That's time management. Yeah. I mean, there you go. Time time management and energy management, right? You know yeah. that some people yeah. are going to take more energy to deal with. Yes. Right? Yeah. So yeah. they are going to need a bigger slice of your cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some That's people right. are easier to deal with, and they're going to take a smaller piece of your cake. So being able to find that balance mm -hmm. in your routine is going to be key to your self-care routine, 
even if you're somebody who lives very, you know, by the seat of your pants and doesn't have a so-called routine, a daily living routine, those types of people tend to understand when they need self-care and they'll just jump to it and do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Some people need to put it in their calendar. Right. It's like schedule an appointment for themselves. Absolutely. Or they won't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's um, like with my client routine, I put a half hour buffer between each client. I started doing that for my clients for anonymity. Right. That was my purpose for doing that, having that kind of routine, 30 minutes between each client, because then if somebody does run over by five, because I'm usually pretty structured, good about keeping people on task for their appointments, um, like during our appointment times. Um, So, you know, if somebody runs over by five or 10 minutes, they're not going to run into somebody, the next person coming in typically. And so what I realized, though, in doing that is I needed that 30 minutes just as much as I was giving it to my clients for me to, yeah, Yeah. I needed to build that into my routine so that I could reset and kind of take an exhale from the previous client, reset myself in the present so that I could deal with whatever came through the door next. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, that was, that was great. I'm really I just, I'm still feeling it. Oh, awesome. Through my body and, um, thank you. Thank you. That was wonderful. I love it. You're welcome. And thank you to whoever originally wrote that. I like to try to give credit where I can, but, um, whoever, whoever did that. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's awesome. And, um, it, you know, it just goes to show, I like to do a, I like to do a hypnotic activity when I can on here. I mean, it's, it's the mainstream of my wheelhouse, um, you know, but when we have those moments where we can carve out a routine of taking care of ourselves best, it's going to help us to just, like I said in the beginning of that um, activity, you know, when we are out of balance, out of our routine, um, it affects, it has the potential to affect so many other areas, right? If we're not, oh gosh, yeah. if we come to work, like for me, if, you know, if I come to work without that cup of coffee, I am dragging until I get myself that cup of coffee. Um, and yeah, and some things like that, you know, that actually affects you physically. Mm-hmm. And then, and then some things help so much mentally. Absolutely. And then, and then both. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Great word today. Yeah. Nice word of the week. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, with that, and she can't see me, you know, this was one of the things that is the detriment to not having video today, um, because typically there's things that you guys don't always see that Pat relies on, so she'll know. She'll know when to do it, because she's a pro, and she's been doing this for like (laughs) 60-some episodes or whatever. So, um, with, you'll know, um, with that, I'm Nora Nopal signing off for Unscripted Energy. Be well, stay safe. Peace. See, I knew she'd get it. We'll see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Unscripted Energy. And so we've been talking about our word of the week, grief. And um, Pat's done a lot of, she's done a lot of trainings and a lot of help in our community, uh, being able to help people um, in, in the ways that she talked about. Um, and what we're going to do here in just a moment is I'm going to do, um, a, like I said, a hypnotic activity around being able to handle grief and to be able to recognize those emotions when they show up. Because um, grief can look like a lot of different things. Um, but before we do that, um, I want to preface that I know you listening to this, you just heard the disclaimer that we're going to do a hypnotic activity. But I really want to preface that even though hypnosis uh, can be a great tool for helping to work through your grief, it is just that. It is a tool. Um, I myself am a certified hypnotist. I've been trained. Um, I have almost 24 years of experience in this field um, and helping people as well. Um, but I want to preface that um, even though this is a wonderful tool to help you, um, whether it's a loss of a person, a loss of something, um, you know, a, an object like um, a home or um, income or something like that, whatever grief is is for you in in this moment where you're listening to this um it's not this activity is not a substitute for adequate meta mental health profession um and and help that you can get there and if you do find that you're needing um you know some help in that area you can always call the the national hotline uh, 988 um, to help um, find a mental health professional in your area or to get some immediate some immediate assistance um, from a qualified mental health professional. So while what we're going to do is therapeutic, it is not therapy. Okay? So that being said, Pat, are you ready? I'm ready. Pat's just going to get to enjoy this experience um, and uh, as we go along. So as I do with every hypnotic activity, if you are in the process of um, listening to this, you know, while you're doing some other activity, driving, whether you're at work or so forth, um, do not listen to this portion while uh, driving, operating machinery, um, or even if you're, you know, imbibing in the holiday spirits, so to speak, um, because it could induce and deepen um, in your hypnotic trance. It could also, um, you know, cause for distraction. So come back to it and listen to it at a time where it's safe and comfortable for you to do so. And so if it's safe and comfortable for you to do so now, I'd like you to uh, take this time, find a place that's comfortable. And if you feel comfortable in closing your eyes, go ahead and do so now. If you find that you would rather keep your eyes open, you can find a point in the wall, maybe a picture, light switch, maybe there's a dot on the ceiling. Find a focal point and just gaze at it. And whether your eyes are closed or you're just gazing, begin to notice your breath. Turn your inner eyes more inward and watch your breath as it comes in and out of your body. If your eyes are open, you may find it throughout this process that they naturally just want to close. The more you relax, the deeper you go, and the deeper you go, the more you'll relax. And if those eyes do want to close, just allow them to safely 
softly, gently close right down, you may find that if they do stay open and you are gazed on that spot, that they stay that way, that you just stay kind of fixed and relaxed and that's okay too. But wherever we go and whatever you decide to do through this process, as you concentrate on my voice, know that my voice will go wherever you go on this journey. All the while as you focus on your breath, any sounds you hear out and around wherever we are together, along with your breath will only serve to relax you a little bit more a little bit more relaxed than you are right now and as you breathe and you relax in this way as you continue to just breathe and relax in this way your mind will visualize everything i say leaving you just feeling wonderfully comfortably relaxed so in your mind's eye and that wonderful imagination of yours as your breath just serves to relax you naturally and comfortably every breath out carrying away any tension or stress I just want you to imagine and only imagine now that you're walking along this beautiful beach we talked about a beach in the beginning of our time together and you're just walking along taking in the sights the sound Maybe the smells. Just finding your sense of touch even maybe as you walk through the sand, soft on your foot. Maybe the waves gently, gently caressing the tops of your feet as you walk along the shore you can hear the water splashing over stones making a rippling sound in the distance as you just walk along you find a nice giant rock to just kind of sit upon where the wave just barely comes up and caresses the tops of your feet And all the while you just sit and you are amazed at the beauty around you. The coral, colored sand, drenched in hues of pink from the sun. The crystal blue waters reflecting from the sky. Just feeling the soft warm sand. Upon your feet, you might even curl your toes into the sand. Allow the water to gently flow over those toes. Filling up the indentations that your toes make in the sand as it flows back out again. Watching the beautiful palm trees sway in the breeze as you just relax there in that space. Feeling the warmth of the sun against your skin as you rest. Maybe there are beautiful sailboats out on the water in the distance. You watch as they glide on by. 
as the next wave just rolls in and laps across your feet gently. Begin to notice that taking away any tension or stress right down from the top of your head all the way down, deeper down, right out the tips of your toes. As the next gentle wave comes in and rolls back out, taking away any tension or stress, leaving you feeling comfortable and relaxed. noting how you feel comfortable in this moment just breathing just relaxing just being as you continue to breathe and relax and let those muscles relax a little deeper now relaxing each and every one just feeling your eyes soften and relax Letting go of any tension, just listening to my voice and allowing, allowing your eyes, your face, your jaw to relax. Your shoulders and neck relax. Your arms, hands, fingers, and thumbs relax every wave that comes in. will soon leave again. Just allowing you to relax into this space. Relaxing your chest and your back, your belly, your hips, your legs, feet and toes. And in a moment I'm going to count from five to one. with every number you hear, you'll just gently begin to notice the waves calmly, slowing, barely reaching, the tide barely reaching you. With every number you hear, the tide begins to slow as you begin to relax into your space, comfortably, peacefully with five, four, the waves relax even more. Three, two, relaxing, calming, one, take a big deep breath in, and as you exhale out, just allow yourself to be relaxed. allow yourself to notice the waves. Those waves are like grief, like our emotions. Sometimes they come in like waves. Sometimes they're heavier. Sometimes they're subtle. Sometimes they sneak up the shore without us even noticing that they're there. Sometimes they seem to come out of nowhere. 
sometimes it might feel as if you just want to ask the ocean if it can take away the pain. And the ocean replies, I wouldn't do it even if I knew how to because it belongs to you. Only time and tears can take away the grief. That's what they're for. And even though the waves can take away the tension, can take away the stress, can take away so many other things, it feels like grief just never leaves. Not entirely. But what we begin to notice is that it shifts and it changes. It looks very different. Throughout time, throughout space. That yes, grief does belong to us and it feels like the ocean that brings it in should be able to take it away. But when we look at it deeply, like you can look at it now, in a moment I'm going to count from three to one. We arrive together at one. You're going to look deep within at the place where maybe grief resides within you. When you hear that word grief, you know instinctively there's a place within you that it exists. So when I count... From three to one, you're going to just go to that place and examine it like a mindful observer and just look at it and greet it and smile at it. You'll know it instinctively. In fact, you probably know where it exists right now with three, two, one. Take a big deep breath in. As you exhale out, just allow yourself to take a look at that space. And with curiosity, you begin to notice that grief isn't actually grief at all. It's made up of a bunch of other things, which is why it feels like it never leaves us why it feels like the wave simply can't take it completely away. Because while we've labeled it grief, it's actually made up of many other things. Love, loneliness, fear. Perhaps you notice other things. I'd like you to go to, into that grief and just label. Put those stick, see those sticky notes off to the side there. You have sticky notes and a pen off to the side of right there where you are. And maybe on that first sticky note you write loneliness and you stick it on the grief. 
And maybe on the next sticky note you write fear. Just continue to write your labels. The third label, the fourth label. And look at what grief really is. Because it's not until you correctly label what grief is that you can really begin to sift through the particles of the sand. Because even the sand as you look at the beach as a whole looks like one big beach. And that's what grief looks like. But when you scoop up the grief and you begin to sift it out and look at each little particle, it has many different layers and colors and textures, meanings and components. let yourself put those labels on what grief really is to you. And then go ahead and put your sticky notes down and even if you want to come back to this and add other sticky notes at a later time you can. So as you go back to that grief and you look at those sticky notes I want you to take the first sticky note off and look at it and say instead of I am maybe afraid say I feel fear or whatever it might be I feel instead of I am and watch how the sand the sands of time begin to change for you So just one by one take a few moments here because in hypnosis time things go much faster than in real time and one by one, you take those sticky notes off of that grief and say, I feel, and fill in the blank with what's on your sticky note. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, and begin to notice what happens as the grief transforms. With every single sticky note, the grief the energy of the grief begins to shift and change and get smaller and smaller before the last sticky note is actually just on the ground. It's as if those waters of baptism did come in and help you wash away any and all of the stickiness around the grief. And then you can recognize what it actually is, the love. The love that remains within you. All those other things gone and washed away. You feel certain things because the love still exists. And with love there is hope. With love, there is admiration. With love, there is courage to face these feelings and the heaviness that grief can feel, like that big tidal wave of emotion. But through this process, you can slow that wave down, deeper down to a lull. 
and be able to really look and identify each of those grains of sand that that wave has washed to the shore. And as you continue to breathe and relax in this way, put your focus back on that horizon and notice as the wave comes in. Notice how differently that space within you feels. Maybe your heart feels lighter. Maybe your belly feels lighter too. Maybe the burdens in your hands and your feet have washed to the horizon. And now look to your heart where love resides. And send that love light into those places where the grief was sticking. Where those feelings, those sticky notes emerged from. Send that light, that beautiful green light into those places. And let yourself experience the love. It is okay. It is okay to reflect on the love. The love is beautiful and it might make you sad. The love is what's always with you. The love is a reminder of what you miss and what you've lost and the love in the breath and the healing is a reminder that life does go on and that you can heal and that there is hope and that you were loved and that you are loved and send that love deep within you and feel that love from the top of your head to the tips of your toes and the tips of your toes to the top of your head and just bathe in that beautiful that beautiful aura in a moment I'm going to count you up from 1 to 10 and with every number bring back with you exactly what you need to continue this healing long after your eyes have opened with one and two coming up a bit more bringing back with you all that you need to know understanding that you feel what you feel two and three and four more awake more alert back to the here and now coming up a bit more no longer identifying as those emotions but just calling them out and acknowledge them with five and six and seven Bringing back with you all you need to know, all that you've learned, the wisdom, the love, the courage with seven and eight and nine and ten. Coming back, feeling that love, still wrapped in that blanket. Feeling that love wrapped all around you. And understanding the healing that is happening. The healing will continue to happen long after this. And any time you need to revisit this and identify those emotions and write them out and call them out, go back to this and listen to it again. Properly identify them. Grief is made up of so much more than we ever imagined. 
be well. You ready? You can open your eyes. We'll have a brief discussion with Pat just to see how she was doing, how that was for her. And for you, just kind of acknowledge how differently you feel right now than maybe when you started. So were you able to kind of identify grief when did in a certain spot when when you went there? Yeah. Yeah. Like center of my chest. Yep. But the cool thing was, I mean, I still have some work to do, of course. But, Absolutely. Um, initially, I saw a beautiful white rose there. Oh, yes. So that was really cool. That is really cool. A beautiful white rose. What else did you notice about the, uh, the sticky notes? I think that's where I feel like I could do more work because um, I didn't see that much there. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be a sign that you've done a lot of work already. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe. I mean, what I, I got love, sadness, compassion, so. Mm -hmm. The white rose is, a, in specific to this, spiritual meaning is, a, is reflects your transition um, in your spiritual development um, reflecting in, um, in in the wisdom um, of how far kind of that rebirth that you've had because that's really what happens in a lot of ways spiritually and energetically right is when in, in your case I would say specifically when you're partnered with somebody right you feel like a whole unit right yeah. and then when yeah. that heart isn't there anymore yeah. there's this rebirthing this re-emerging that has to happen with this with the individual to find who they are now as themselves so yeah oh, absolutely yeah I mean that's that's where the work is yeah. that is where the work is and I think it's important to be able to kind of go in and 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 label the grief as what it is yeah. and to sit and sift through I really like that because we do if it, grief just looks like one one big beach like yeah we don't look at the grains of sand we look at the whole beach yeah and yeah. until we sit down and we put notes and label those individual grains of sand as what they actually are what they are because oftentimes in grief we identify with it and say you know I'm afraid or I'm lonely or I am yeah. I'm scared or I'm I'm hurting and and while those things may be true the healing comes when we can shift that mindset to I feel afraid I feel lonely you know I feel uncertain um, whatever and that then, might be yeah and then it's it's more you're more prepared to transform that energy right right yeah. yeah you're more prepared to transform the energy and and in your transform the energy even in the acknowledgement of that shift yeah. right because you're yeah. not you're not taking that on that energy yeah. on you're putting yeah. that energy um, on the on the appropriate label where it goes yeah. and it allows yeah. you to be able to look at it both internally and externally and go okay well I, I mean that's a given right I feel all these things because I miss my person 
Yeah. I miss living in that house or I miss being at that job or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 Thank you. That's that's really helpful and I, I hope it um, helps some people out there that are listening and are able to yeah. do that. I hope so too. I hope so too. And um, you know, and if you do find that you're that you're struggling, like I said, call the national hotline nine eight eight, and they'll be able to put you in touch with professionals in your area that can absolutely help you. You don't have to feel like you need to to suffer nor suffer alone. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for tuning in. Thank you, Pat, for. Um, sharing your wisdom with us and your experience and so with that um, we'll, we'll close out the show I'm Nora Noble uh, for this week's Unscripted Energy be well, stay safe peace you have been listening to Unscripted Energy a podcast by hosts Nora Noble and Pat Jones. The viewpoints on unscripted energy are those solely of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of our followers or commentators. Thank you for tuning in to Unscripted Energy.